Welcome back or welcome to the Business in Board Shorts podcast, the only podcast dedicated to coastal entrepreneurs and business owners. In this episode, I talk with Jim Adams from University City, Missouri. He's the owner of Catalyst Personal Training and Nutrition, and is also the host of the Masters in Fitness Business podcast. This is the first of a two-part series. Let's dive into this week's conversation. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining me. CT, thanks for having me on, man. It's it's nice to to finally get on your your show. You know, I know we've uh, met a couple of times and we've been working together. You've helped me with my businesses. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on, man. Can you tell the listeners where you are located and what the vibe is like there? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. I've uh, been here my entire life. <laughs> As I tell everybody, I've been trying to get out for my entire life. I think I'm getting close to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, St. Louis, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, St. Louis, a lot of people kind of overlook it, but it's a it's a great little city. It's a great place to raise a family. It's the cost of living is really low. And, you know, ironically, since COVID, we've had several clients who have relocated to St. Louis. I mean, one guy worked for Google and works for Google and one client works for Google and he moved to St. Louis from uh, Silicon Valley. And I was like, Oh, wow. And he said, well, I can remote work remotely so I can live anywhere, which is why I think you're seeing this mass migration across the country is that everybody's in that same boat. But I said, why St. Louis? We say the cost of living and it's a great place to raise a family. I mean, so if you can imagine, you know, working for Google, making that salary, used to living in, you know, San Francisco, which is some of the most expensive real estate in the nation, and then moving to St. Louis, I mean, it's a huge break. So I think it's I think it's gonna become more attractive because of that and because of you know, office spaces being taken away and people being able to work remotely. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great city. Uh, I love Forest Park. It's, it's my favorite part of St. Louis uh, where you can just go and chill. Or you can bike and run. It's great. It has the zoo. It has the, the art museum. It has the history museum. Um, it has tennis courts. I mean, you name it. Uh, it's, it's a huge piece of land and it's my favorite thing. And of course you have the the Cardinals and the Blues, and I'm a huge hockey fan, and this has become a hockey town. You know, a couple of years ago, we had five players drafted in the first round of the NHL draft, all from St. Louis. So they kind of put St. Louis on the map uh, for in, in a hockey sense. And the reason that we've become uh, a hotbed in hockey uh, is for the same reason. All the former St. Louis Blues uh, stay here and raise their kids here and coach here and coach kids and start academies and other businesses related to coaching kids hockey. So as a result, we've been able to develop um, some really good hockey players and been known, become known as a hotbed for hockey. Same thing, I work really closely with Bruce Racine, who was a former uh, NHL goalie. Um, one of the Blues was one of his teams and that's why he chose to stay here. He's originally from Canada. And he's uh, coached 
two kids that I know of to the NHL draft. Uh, and he's got more uh, going. He's got a bunch going to D1 school. So, yeah, it's become quite a hockey hotbed. And then on top of the Blues recently winning the Stanley Cup, which is my life's dream. I can finally die in peace because I saw that. Um, but um, so, yeah, it's got more kids than ever involved. And we've got more rinks than ever um, going up. So I think it's going to continue to be a hotbed of hockey. And of course the Cardinals, I mean, you can't live in St. Louis without being a Cardinals fan, at least if you don't want your life to be miserable. I mean, there are some native cub fans that live here, but, uh, they don't show their faces in Cardinal nation. (laughs) How did you get into hockey? Oh, um, it's a good question. Um, so I had, no idea. I never played hockey in my life, had no interest in playing hockey at all. And then a bunch of my buddies said, Hey, we're, we're renting the rink and we're going to go up and we're going to play goof around. None of us knew how to play hockey, but they knew how to skate and I didn't. So (laughs) I said, well, you know, what are the positions? And he went through the positions. I said, okay, well, I can't skate very well. So just put me in net. And, um, so I started playing goalie, fell in love with the position, um, started learning about it, um, and getting better at it. And that led me to learning more, you know, developing a love for the game and learning about the game and, uh, continue to play and coach my older boys played and I coached them on their club teams. I coached the high school hockey team, uh, at one point. So, yeah, I, um, I was really involved. Uh, in the hockey community uh, and did all the off ice for Bruce Racine's goalie camps. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not as involved anymore, but at one point I was, I was deep in it, but yeah, I love hockey and I, and, and it's a great hockey community um, in St. Louis. And transitioning to the business side, how long have you owned Catalyst and, and when, when did that start? Uh, Catalyst opened in April 2015, um, and I didn't intend on starting a business. Um, I um, I've been a trainer for since 1990 <laughs> is when I um, got my first job as a trainer. Uh, there was a guy that um, was opening a training studio at the time. It was the only the second training studio in St. Louis. Um, and now you can you can't throw a rock without hitting five or six of them. Um, but I started working for him, and we started out with a thousand square feet, four trainers, including him and his partner. Uh, and then we just grew up from there. And when I left, twenty two years later, we it was a seventeen thousand square foot facility, all personal training, um, and we had over thirty trainers. And I was uh, the general manager of the facility. And then uh, the owner and I, I wouldn't say we had a falling out, but I kept trying to integrate myself into the business uh, because I love training. I was a training geek. I mean, I learned everything about training and um, went all over certification, seminars, you name it. I was just, a, I was almost a junkie. I mean, and I even got to the point where um, I got, invited to um, an NHL training camp to help uh, train and test the players. 
Um, and that was in 2009 for the Florida Panthers, a friend of mine, Andy O'Brien, who is uh, kind of a famous trainer in uh, hockey circles, NHL circles, because he is uh, Sidney Crosby's trainer. And um, so he, uh, we became friends and he invited me down to help train and uh, test the players for the Panthers uh, 2009, 2010 season. So I was, um, I was become a really good trainer. I was, I am a really good trainer. And um, I said, you know, well, let me see what else I can do here. And I just couldn't, we couldn't find a way to integrate me into the business. So I left and I wanted to try this small group thing instead of the one-on-one and the owner of the, the facility was resistant to it. So I said, well, let me try this on my own. So I found another colleague who had um, training space again, about a thousand square feet. And it was just the two of us. And I said, let me try this group training thing. It took off like gangbusters. I left with about 20 clients and started the group training and through referrals and word of mouth, uh, I became really busy to where I was, I definitely had the lion's share of the business in the studio that I was sharing. Um, And I was, it became crowded because I had so many people. I started looking for a space of my own and I was ideally looking for a thousand feet. Again, that number keeps coming up because it's small, it's manageable. Um, You can control your expenses. Um, you, You can easily do a thousand feet and be a one person show that you, that's very doable and be very profitable too. I mean, you have to work a lot. You're basically creating a job for yourself and not necessarily a business, but um, so that's what I was looking for, but I just could not find anywhere uh, with that amount of space that would work. So finally I, I fell upon a 3000 square foot place and I wanted to see if they could subdivide it to make it 15. They said they couldn't, you got to take it all or nothing. I said, well, well, if it's 3,000 square feet, that's more than a one-man show can handle. So I'm going to have to bring in trainers. And I knew that I wanted employees, not independent contractors, because it's, it's, it's a lot easier to get people under one flag if they're employees. If they're independent contractors, then you, you basically have, you know, kind of the Middle East happening in your gym, you know, where people are fighting over territory, equipment clients becomes a very competitive atmosphere. And I didn't want that. I wanted to, I wanted to be at a collaborative atmosphere where we all push, uh, lift each other up. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to make, you know, make it a business. So I developed a business plan. I got an investor and then a buddy of mine told me about this seminar. So I went to Tom Plummer's, Thomas Plummer's business seminar, one day business seminar. And I was blown away. I mean, he like, if you've never been exposed to Tom Plummer, he's he's a very smart man. He's been in the fitness industry for a long time, and he doesn't sugarcoat anything. If you're being a, he'll tell you, you're being a, you know. And he tells people all the time, "I can fix business. I can fix your business because business is business." So, so there are certain business principles that uh, apply no matter what business that you're in, and then you have the nuances of whatever industry that you're in. But he said, I can't fix you. If you're hardheaded, if you're stubborn, if you're stupid, you know, if you don't listen to what I say, then I can't help you, even though I know how to run your fitness business, in some cases better than you. So, I mean, it just hit me in the face. It was a splash of cold water in the face. So I looked him up. 
Um, I went to his other seminar. Um, he became one of my business coaches and mentors. Uh, and that's whose motto I use to open up Catalyst. Uh, we opened up, we had myself and two trainer, one trainer, actually, it was just me and one other trainer. Uh, and now today, next month will be six years. We have five trainers. Prior to COVID, we had seven. There's two things I love, catching rays and catching new business. But getting tan is a lot easier than getting your business found online. If you're struggling to get new customers from your website, let my decade of experience work for you. Surf on over to callmect.com and fill out a quick form. I'll be sure to answer as soon as I get back from the beach. What would you say from starting in the early 90s to today, what would you say is just some of the big shifts that you've seen in the industry? Well, I think it's a couple, right? So the way it's grown in St. Louis, and I think St. Louis is is kind of a microcosm of the industry, even though we tend to be a little bit behind uh, some of the bigger cities uh, as far as trends. Uh, and every city is going to have its own kind of nuances and market. But um, I'd say the biggest difference is that we started, there were two training studios in St. Louis back in 1990. And we started hiring trainers and training them and giving them clients. And then eventually they went off and started their own. And so, you know, then the training studio market grew in St. Louis grew exponentially. Right. So we would lose two trainers, two training studios would open up. Then they would lose two trainers and two training studios would open up. So I would say the biggest change that I've seen in the market is that everybody thinks both from the consumer end and from the um, trainer end thinks it's really easy to become a trainer. It's like I, I work out and I'm fit. I know how to make myself fit, so I should uh, I should be able to help other people get fit. The problem is, is that if you're a 26 year old, you have a 26 year old body that can do things that a 56 year old body can't do, uh, at least without some modifications and some some adaptations, right? Um, because you have to have that range of motion. So I see a lot of the trainers taking a cookie cutter approach to training people, whether they're 23 or 63. And you just can't do that. You have to adjust your training style to the person, not just have the person adjust to your training style, because that's how people get injured. And then, you know, then it gives the industry a bad name. So I would say overall, with the proliferation of personal trainers, that the definition has kind of gotten watered down and I would say the majority of the trainers out there, the personal trainers out there, uh, just have personal experience and maybe a weekend cert. And so they don't really, you know, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, they're, they're a great trainer for a certain demographic. But if you're talking about somebody who's had injuries uh, or somebody who's never trained before, like say if you get, you know, some 30-year-old who's 100 pounds overweight, 
and has health issues and movement issues, you know, they're not going to be able to adapt to your training style. So you have to adapt to where they're at. You have to meet them to where they're at. And that takes training. It takes skill. It takes experience, all of those things. And all of those things just take time and effort. You have to really commit to uh, improving yourself, you know, either through basically through education and collaboration. And I know you have a couple other avenues that are going down right now uh, with the podcast Mm -hmm. and some other things. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, we talked about like, um, I was, I had catalyst for about a year and we were struggling because I uh, was in that boat where I was a, a really good trainer and, but I was a terrible business person and I was a terrible leader to my team. Um, and so I had to overcome those. And one of the ways I did that was same way. When I opened my business, I reached out for a mentor and a coach through Thomas Plummer. Uh, and then I went to his speaker workshop and there I met Frank Nash, who, um, is a good trainer, great guy and a good businessman. And so I met Frank at the speaker school in San Francisco. And then I heard that he was starting a group called secret trainer society. I said, I got to get in, um, cause I need help. So, uh, they were taking applications. I applied, um, and then Frank called, interviewed me. I was accepted and went into the group and I went in that with the idea of being just a dry sponge. I wanted to soak up everything I could, um, because I wanted my business to be successful and or profitable. And so one day I was, well, I was flying home and you know how you come home from these conferences and your head's just spinning, you know, and I would get back to the club and I would, you know, have a staff meeting. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, Oh my God, he's been to another conference. God help us, you know, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I, I was coming back and my head was spinning. I was like, man, I wish I could, um, just get them, sit them down for an hour and pick their brain on, on things to see how they, what's worked and what hasn't, what's been successful for them. So I ran that idea past, uh, Frank Nash and he said, you can do that. I said, I can. And he said, yeah, start a podcast. So I started the podcast to itch my scratch my own itch, you know, because I needed to learn how to become a better business owner, fitness business owner, a better leader, um, and everything that went along with that, um, all that introspection, becoming a better person, because I find better people become better leaders. So that's what got me into STS in starting the podcast. And then the podcast is just kind of taken off on its own. I mean, apparently there are a lot of trainers out there who were in my shoes, who are thinking about open. I mean, because that's the natural evolution for most trainers, right? You start, you're grateful for the opportunity to get started. And then you get a couple of clients, you get a little experience, you get a little confidence, you think, and then you start, you know, kind of nitpicking how they run things. And you're like, well, I can do a better job. And then finally you would say, well, I want to open up my own shop. Well, you open up your own shop, thinking of it as a trainer, not as a business owner, know everything that goes on behind the scenes that makes the business successful. Uh, And the training with the clients is just one part of that. And it's all about education. It's free. I have great guests that come on. They give all kinds of great information. Um, And then I took 20 of the, the my best episodes and put it in a book. It's called The Masters in Fitness Business because that's who it is. It's everybody that was on the show. Um, and then that will be uh, released early April. 
And then I also wanted to continue to educate uh, my audience. So we're starting Fit University. Uh, and that's going to launch early April as well. And what it is, is I'm having all of the former guests and other people um, have their educational comment uh, content on there. So uh, my first person is going to be Eric Russell, who is the membership sales guru. And he runs the membership sales academy, making them go from a prospect to a member where you can get revenue in. And so what I find is that most podcasts and most seminars, when you go to them, when you could go to them, and hopefully we'll be able to go, go to again, and even the online seminars, they give you um, the cliff notes, right? It's almost like an elevator pitch for what they do, correct? Well, what what's going to make Fit University different is that we're going to have, it's not their elevator pitch, it's not a gloss over, it's not cliff notes. It's the whole damn textbook. It's what it's what they teach that makes it successful. So you can sign up for Eric's, you know, sales mastery course, and it will take you through each module. So at the end, you you can share it with your staff, um, and you can take the staff through it step by step, overcoming objections, setting the appointment. You know, all of the things that you encounter naturally in the fitness business. And it's unique to the fitness industry and the fitness industry to overcome those objections and close the sale. So it's the complete course. It's not a keynote. It's not a presentation. It's not a podcast. It's where the the rubber hits the road, man, and, and where you can start moving the needle. It's the actual content. So that's the difference. Because the other thing that I notice again, within the fitness industry, especially independent studios, not so much the franchises because they have their systems kind of worked out a little bit, um, kind of, you know, idiot proof, if you will, because that's the one thing about, I, I find in the fitness industry, and I'm sure it's not unique to us, but we're always trying to reinvent, reinvent the wheel, man. It's like, I have this proven system. It's helped 5,000 gyms turning around and then you buy it. And then you go, can I tweak this one thing? Dude, I mean, would you change the Mona Lisa? No, you wouldn't, you know? And then the other thing is like, I take jujitsu. And so the analogy I make is that a white belt and a black belt can do the same move, but the black belts practice that thing so much that he can do it in his sleep. So if you see a white belt do a move, it will look nothing like the black belt doing the move, even though it's the same move and the same technique. And it's the same when you start something new, you're going to suck at it, right? Until you kind of take your lumps and learn what works and what doesn't. But a lot of people will start something new and they suck at it and then they blame the tool. Oh, this doesn't work. Well, no, because it's worked for all these other people. It'll work for you if you stick to the pro pro program. Like Eric says, Everybody wants to put their spin on it, their special sauce, right? He, and he says, the special sauce is your training. The special sauce is your personality. The special sauce is the membership experience. It is not changing the formula behind what works. Stick to the formula. And then once they become members, then you can put your special sauce on it. That's super exciting stuff you have going on. Let yeah. me finish this off with three questions for you. Mm -hmm. First, 
But you- first, I mean, hold on. I, can I inject something in here? Because uh, before we started recording, you said you were going to talk about how I got into fitness. And that's how I opened the business. But how I got into fitness was I was an athlete all through high school. I wrestled. I ran track. When I graduated high school, I went on a hayride with my buddy, Frank. And we were goofing around and I fell off the wagon and ran over me and jacked me up pretty good. I mean, to the point where I died, I had the whole afterlife experience and everything. It changed my life. I mean, those tend to be kind of watershed moments. And it definitely was for me. Uh, It continues to still be, continues to still be a driving force in my life, what I experienced when I died. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Join us next week for part number two. Thanks for listening. You're still here? Well, while I have you, if you found today's episode valuable or useful, I would love if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps to expand the reach of the podcast. And if not, then just forget the last 10 seconds. Thanks. Talk to you next week.